I like the message that Nikki sent yesterday at the United Nations for all of these nations that take our money and then they vote against us at the Security Council or they vote against us potentially at the Assembly. They take hundreds of millions of dollars and even billions of dollars and then they vote against us. Well, we're watching those votes. Let them vote against us. We'll save a lot. We don't care. Well, Trump did cut $285 million from the U.N. in December. And now, after a vicious anti-Trump speech from Mahmoud Abbas, the U.S. will now be cutting a total of $110 million from the UNRWA, the refugee agency that deals with only the Palestinians. We'll get to that in a minute. But welcome to another edition of The Bible in the News. This is John Billington with you this week. The scriptures are clear. In the last days, the nations will unite against Israel. And we can see that as we've looked at this on uh, the program before in Ezekiel chapter 38, as you have that northern confederacy coming against, as God says, my people Israel. Well, if we also turn to Joel chapter 3, we find there uh, also um, prophecy of the last days of our time. It starts in the first verse, For behold, in those days... And in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. So, that is obviously our time. The captivity of the Jewish people is largely over. And uh, Judah and Jerusalem are full of Jews once again. And the second verse says, I will also gather all nations. Which is really the, the, the second step in that prophecy. First, the gathering of the Jews back to the land and the second, the gathering of the nations. But, he says, I will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. So, God's bringing down those nations to judge them for the treatment they have had of his uh, heritage Israel, whom they have scattered through the nations. Well, And it says, and also, uh, interestingly, uh, the parting of the land, which is what they've been trying to do from Israel's inception, is uh, to part her land. Uh, Regardless, for all they've tried, Israel has continued to to grow uh, its uh, land mass, and that's not about to change anytime soon, I don't believe. But regardless, uh, the prophecy is clear. It's they're coming against Israel for parting the land and for scattering them. So, that said, um, we thought, well, this week there's no better place to see the United uh, Nations uniting against Israel than at the United Nations. And it's uh, it's true. But with the funding being cut to the UNRWA, we thought it would be a good time to put the spotlight there and see what it means to Israel. So, just to uh, for way of clarification, uh, there are two refugee agencies There's one, the UNHRC, which is for refugees around the world, and one that is, as we said at the beginning, specific to the Palestinians only. Uh, They have their own refugee agency, the UNRWA. The UNHRC has a different definition than the UNRWA of what a refugee is. And by having a separate agency... Uh, It means that not everything has to be equal. And so that definition uh, will start with what it is on the UNRWA website. Uh, 
It's uh, their definition of a refugee is uh, a Palestinian refugees. It says are defined as persons who whose normal place of residence was Palestine during the period of June the first, nineteen forty six to the fifteenth of May, nineteen forty eight, and who have lost both home and means of livelihood as a result of the nineteen forty eight conflict. But then there's a second paragraph, which is where things get interesting. The UNRWA services are available to all those living in its area of operations who meet this definition, who are registered with the agency and who need assistance. The descendants of Palestine refugee males, including adopted children, are also eligible for registration. When the agency began operations in 1950, it was responding to the needs of about 750,000 Palestine refugees. Today, some 5 million Palestine refugees are eligible for UNRWA services. On a side note, it's worth noting that there was about approximately 800,000 Jewish refugees from Arab lands that had to flee after World War II and the declaration of the State of Israel. So around the same time, they were, of course, integrated into Israel very quickly. So to be clear, there's no and no longer uh, Jewish refugees at all for since ever, that from that time period they were quickly integrated and it was uh, a done deal. Uh, and of course, millions more Jews that uh, were fleeing from other parts of the world were, were integrated as well. Um, whereas the Palestinian refugees have been uh, kept in camps and housed and uh, are, with the definition of the UNRWA, a growing number. So comparatively, the definition from the UNHRC of a refugee is simply, a refugee is someone, it says, this is again from their website, who has been forced to flee his or her country because of persecution, war, or violence. A refugee has a well-founded fear of persecution for reasons of race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group. The following paragraph about descendants is noticeably absent. This definition has a huge impact on the Israeli-Palestinian problem because, well, if you actually count the number of refugees that fled from the 1946-48 time period that they give you, of the ones that fled during that time, there's only approximately 30,000 individuals left. But instead, if you calculate uh, in the descendants as the UNRWA is, is uh, doing, they are claiming, as they said, 5 million refugees. And in any peace negotiations, this, quote, right of return of these refugees is a major sticking point. The right of return when you were speaking about 5 million refugees coming into Israel obviously has huge implications to the demographics of Israel and could quickly remove the Jewishness of the state. It is simply a demographic weapon against Israel. And they would, of course, love to use it. Now, it's maybe no surprise then that in the U.S. and in Israel, uh, including Netanyahu, um, yes, including Netanyahu, uh, is calling for the UNRWA to be either majorly overhauled or replaced. In fact, many are recommending that the funds should go through the UNHRC, which would remove any major right-of-return problem for Israel, as many refugees would no longer be classified as refugees. 
and would not be held in the camps waiting for the day when they can move into Israel. Although, let's just be clear, it's not like the UNHRC is friendly to Israel in any way, shape, or form, as there is simply no UN body that is friendly to Israel. But of course, for anyone who is feeding this situation with the plan of upsetting the demographics in Israel, the U.S. declaration of Jerusalem being the capital of Israel, and then the cut in funding is going to be extremely angry about these developments. Enter Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinians, who lashed out in an unprecedented speech against Israel, the United States, and President Trump. Some called the decision defiant, others simply bitter. Of Israel, he said that, quote, Israel is a colonial project with no connection whatsoever to the Jews, and that Israel was a European colonial plot to control the Middle East. Of the United States and Trump, he said, we told Trump we would not accept his project, the, quote, deal of the century, which has become the slap of the century, and then said, but we will slap back. And getting personal with Trump, he said, may God demolish your house. Well, this is really, it is an incredible thing. And many in Israel are thankful, actually, for Abbas's speech, as it finally exposed what is really behind his, many think, moderate mask. Many condemn the speech. But the, U, uh, the EU spokesman, of course, simply said, Quote, our policy is not to comment on comments. That, of course, would not be the policy if it was comments that Netanyahu had made, let's be honest. Well, it's no surprise that while the American vice president over the weekend was visiting in Israel, Abbas headed to Europe and secured their support for a capital in East Jerusalem. This is honestly, it's... it's it's epic. It's unbelievable. It's what the holy prophets have waited for, spoken for. This is the days that we are seeing these alliances coming together, uniting against Israel, and it's the seeds of the great conflict of Ezekiel chapter 38, Joel chapter 3, etc. Um, but in Israel, many things are changing, and its support that it's receiving from America is as unprecedented as Abbas's speech is this is this support that Israel is getting from um, the administration of President Trump and the United States at this time. And its friendship with the southern Arab states is slowly building. And interestingly, Israel is also becoming very close with India. It's not something that we you know, usually spend much time on on Bible News, is the uh, relationship with India, although it has been building for some time. But many Bible students have looked at India as an eastern Tarshish. And in Scripture, we do find Tarshish in the west and Tarshish in the east. Great Britain is seen as the Tarshish in the west due to it being a maritime power that has a huge empire. The presence of, uh, or had a huge empire. The, the presence of all the metals that are mentioned in Scripture are as being mined there. You can find them all in the shores of, uh, of England along with the ancient mines to prove that it was happening at that, uh, you know, going back to those times. And lastly, because of its historic support and protection of the Jews at the time of the Belfort Declaration and a little surrounding. Now, the description of an eastern Tarshish in Scripture is not something that we speak about much, as we say. 
But if we look at the words of Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 21, it says, quote, For the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Huram. Every three years once came the ships of Tarshish, bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Based uh, on this passage, India with British connections is understood to be that eastern Tarshish. It's of note, of course, then, that the Indian soldiers were there with Allenby in 1917 to help the British liberate Jerusalem. And it was highlighted, actually, in the uh, recent visit of of Prime Minister Modi when he went to Israel. It was last summer. And he gifted Netanyahu a picture of that event. Uh, Nice picture. Kind of surprised that he was uh, excited to celebrate his... uh, uh, you know, India's place in liberating Jerusalem, but he did, and um, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, so, building on that, it's of great interest when we see la- it was uh, beginning of last week. Benjamin Netanyahu visited India and received an almost overwhelming welcome. Uh, he, you know, spoke about it a number of times on his visit. The the welcome that he got. Uh, you can you can go and look it up. I mean, just even his arrival in the airport and the leaving of the airport, uh, there was just lines of people, and they had it was almost like a circus going on. It was it was something it was something else. But um, half billion dollar arms deals were signed, um, and Netanyahu and Modi were by one news report quote all hugs and handshakes. And actually, Modi unexpectedly showed up at the airport uh, to welcome Netanyahu uh, with the words, Welcome to India, my dear friend. And Netanyahu's visit, uh, Modi said, is a long-anticipated moment in the journey of friendship between India and Israel. He said, Your visit is also a fitting climax to the commemoration of 25 years of diplomatic relations between India and Israel. Uh, End quote. Now, although there have been 25 years of diplomatic relations, Netanyahu said, something different is happening now because of your leadership and because of our partnership. But as amazing as the relationship is between India and Israel as we watch it grow, that old old young lion, the eldest of them, um, United the United States of America, is still as we've said, quite amazing in the support that Israel's getting from America. And we've we've played pieces of Vice President Mike Pence before. But as he was in Israel this past weekend and was the first Vice President of the United States to ever uh, give a speech to the Knesset, the Israeli parliament, we thought we would uh, play some clips for you uh, to close out Bible in the News. But it's an incredible, incredible speech that he gives, simply on a number of levels. But really, um, of course, because it's full of strong language of uh, support for Israel, including doubling down on the recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital, but also just because of the number of biblical references that he uh, that he you know makes t- um, in the speech, biblical references, um, it's. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So we'll, we'll play that for you uh, because really, if nothing else, uh, this is the Bible actually in the news, literally in the news this week. So um, there you go. We'll start with uh, his uh, remarks in regards to uh, Jerusalem itself. 
Seventy years ago, the United States was proud to be the first nation in the world to recognize the State of Israel. But as you well know, the work we began on that day was left unfinished. For while the United States recognized your nation, one administration after another refused to recognize your capital. But just last month, President Donald Trump made history. He righted a 70-year wrong. He kept his word to the American people when he announced that the United States of America will finally acknowledge Jerusalem is Israel's capital. The Jewish people's unbreakable bond to this sacred city reaches back more than 3,000 years. It was here in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah that Abraham offered his son, Isaac, and was credited with righteousness for his faith in God. It was here in Jerusalem that King David consecrated the capital of the kingdom of Israel. And since its rebirth, the modern state of Israel has called this city the seat of its government. Jerusalem is Israel's capital. And as such, President Trump has directed the State Department to immediately begin preparations to move the United States Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And that United States Embassy will open before the end of next year. So I think you can see that the U.S. administration is certainly not backing down from their um, declaration of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Uh, it's going to be an, it, quite an incredible year, I think. Uh, you can see just even from a speech like this. Uh, but, of course, there was comments also about Iran. I have a solemn promise to Israel, to all the Middle East and to the world. The United States of America will never allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. And then there was Pence's comments about prophecies, Abraham, and his promises. Nearly 4,000 years ago, a man left his home in Ur the Chaldeans to travel here to Israel. He ruled no empire. He wore no crown. He commanded no armies. He performed no miracles. Delivered no prophecies. Yet to him was promised descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. The Jewish people held fast to a promise through all the ages, written so long ago, that even if you'd been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there he would gather and bring you back to the land which your fathers possessed. And then the Hebrew prayer of blessing. Shehekianu, viki amanu, vihig ianu, lazman hazeh. It would be a fair question for someone to ask. How is this happening? How do we have somebody in our generation, as the world turns away from the Bible and Western society throws off the chains of what they call colonialism, away from the 
male, pale, and stale uh, religion and embrace evolution and everything that is modern? And how do we have somebody in the White House still quoting from the prophecies? In fact, probably quoting more than ever from the prophecies. Well, it's all the influence of the Bible. It's been the influence of the Bible all along. And if you read Bible and Sword by uh, Barbara Tushman, or if you read uh, God, Guns, and Israel uh, by Jill Hamilton, both those books will draw uh, on the Hebrew Bible is the great influence that uh, made America and Great Britain support uh, Israel at, at its birth or even back to the Balfour Declaration. But Pence speaks to that as well. And our founders, as others have said, turned to the wisdom of the Hebrew Bible for direction, guidance, and inspiration. America's first president, George Washington, wrote with favor, to the children of the stock of Abraham. Our second president, John Adams, declared that the Jews, in his words, have done more to civilize man than any other nation. And your story inspired my forebears to create what our 16th president called a new birth of freedom. And down through the generations, the American people became fierce advocates of the Jewish people's aspiration to return to the land of your forefathers. It's in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 10, where it reads, Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him, and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. Well, the word did go forth. It was heard in the lands of Great Britain, and it was carried across the oceans with the Geneva Bible to the new land, into America. And right down to today, the word is still being heard by a few. And clearly, Mike Pence has heard the word enough to know that God's people Israel were to go back to their land according to his promise according to the promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David. And it is in these last days that God is fulfilling his promises. He has brought them back. And for these days he has given Israel a friend in the, uh, in the nation of America. And although we see the nations lining up against Israel and this speech of Mike Pence is only going to further the anger, and certainly in the halls of the Vatican, they will not like this. And it will bring the nations against Israel even more. But we can take courage and know that God is in control. And we will finish with some more of Mike Pence's speech. It'll be the last clip. And we too pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Thanks for joining us again for another edition of the Bible in the News. Come back next week where you will be back at it at thebibleinthenews.com. That is, if the Lord Jesus Christ has not returned first. Take care. And so today, as I stand in Abraham's promised land, I believe that all who cherish freedom 
and seek a brighter future should cast their eyes here to this place and marvel at what they behold. How unlikely was Israel's birth. How more unlikely has been her survival. And how confounding and against the odds has been her thriving. You've turned the desert into a garden, scarcity into plenty, sickness into health, and you turned hope into a future. Israel is like a tree that has grown deep roots in the soil of your forefathers, yet as it grows, it reaches ever closer to the heavens. And today and every day, the Jewish state of Israel and all the Jewish people bear witness to God's faithfulness as well as your own. It was the faith of the Jewish people that gathered the scattered fragments of a people and made them whole again. That took the language of the Bible and the landscape of the Psalms and made them live again. And it was faith that rebuilt the ruins of Jerusalem and made them strong again. The miracle of Israel is an inspiration to the world. And the United States of America is proud to stand with Israel and her people as allies and cherished friends. And so we will pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That those who love you be secure, that there be peace within your walls and security in your citadels. And we will work and strive for that brighter future where everyone who calls this ancient land their home shall sit under their vine and fig tree and none shall make them afraid.
We stand with Israel because your cause is our cause. Your values are our values. And your fight is our fight. We stand with Israel because we believe in right over wrong, in good over evil, and in liberty over tyranny. We stand with Israel because that's what Americans have always done. And so has it been since my country's earliest days. During his historic visit to Jerusalem, President Trump declared that the bond between us, in his words, is woven together in the hearts of our people. And the people of the United States have always held a special affection and admiration for the people of the book. In the story of the Jews, we've always seen the story of America. It is the story of an exodus, a journey from persecution to freedom, a story that shows the power of faith and the promise of hope. My country's very first settlers also saw themselves as pilgrims sent by Providence to build a new promised land. The songs and stories of the people of Israel were their anthems, and they faithfully taught them to their children and do to this day. To have the great honor to address this Knesset, the first Vice President of the United States to be afforded that privilege, here in Jerusalem, the capital of the State of Israel. <laughs> 